Thank you for listening to The New Norm. I'm Frank Caramano. We are currently four weeks away from the NFL draft. Yes, four weeks away from probably one of the most important NFL drafts in regards to the Eagles in team history. Because, I mean, how often do you have three first-round picks? And it's not just three first-round picks. It's three top 20 picks, 15, 16, and 19. And I know the debate. Oh, are they going to use all three? Are they tr- whatever? Currently, right now, the Eagles have the fifteenth, the sixteenth, and the nineteenth pick, and and that's of note because last year at this time, I believe it was this week actually, the Eagles had made that trade with Miami, where they traded the sixth pick back to the twelfth pick. So, you know, for an off season that's been so, I guess in terms of um, the rest of the NFL, so crazy. It is wild to me that there hasn't really been any movement in the draft. You know what I mean? Nobody's really went up. Nobody's went down. Nobody's, you know, made a round, around. round. Nothing like that's happened. And more so because, let's be honest here, if you're going up in the NFL draft, generally you're going up for a quarterback, right? And especially if you're doing it at this time and with no real top prospect quarterbacks out there, anybody that, you know, arguably could be... um a solidified top five guy, which, you know, you can have your opinions on the class. I look up and I see Kenny Pickett, and I think Kenny Pickett's a player. I think Kenny Pickett's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. I am stunned that Kenny Pickett is not a consensus top five pick. I really am because I look at the teams that are picking in the top five, one of which being the Houston Texans, and I think, you know, Kenny Pickett would be a good fit there, but, hey, far be it. This is what happens. A lot of these teams, too, will use the narrative that the quarterback's just, the class is weak and, whatever and play to it but um we are sitting here and I want to go and now again the owners meetings were this week I am going to talk about the owners meetings because um there was a lot of interesting and more or less just complete trash that came from Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman and I am going to go into that in a little bit but I do want to do this now because like I said we're four weeks out of the um, NFL draft And the popular thing online now is what? The mock drafts, right? All these people have mock drafts. And I get it. These are national, you know, quote-unquote experts, right? And they don't study team by team. But, I mean, here's my thing. If I was like, let's just say NFL.com employed me and they said, I want you to do a mock draft, you know what I would be doing? I would take that real serious. And what I mean by that is I would study each team and understand at least over the last five years. Now, again, if they have a new GM, everything's off the, you know, board there. But I would study what that previous GM did, maybe in an assistant role, what team he worked for, what they did. And I would try to come up with the most calculated guesses. Because, again, I get it, it's a guessing game. I get it, trades are going to be made. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to really be able to predict this thing. But I'd want to at least give the people that were reading it a, a real insight into maybe what that team is thinking. And let me tell you this. So I went through five mock drafts. And I'm going to do five, I think, a week for the rest because there's more than 20. So I'm going to do five a week every week until, you know, obviously for the next three weeks. And you know what I mean? Next, maybe the next two, I'm going to try to get maybe the most popular ones. But I I did pick some good ones here. But I'm going to try really hard to give you guys an idea of what the national media essentially is thinking and who the Eagles are going to pick. So the first one, and... Let me tell you that you're going to notice 
Like a lot of these should just be disqualified, but we'll we'll get into it. You'll know why. Um, so first one I pulled was from CBS. It was Josh Edwards, right? He did one today, and the Eagles' three picks were uh, Wyatt. He's the defensive tackle for uh, Georgia. You know him and Davis, the two guys. And again, that's a fine pick, and that is a very possible selection, by the way. And I'm going to rate them when I see them. I'm going to tell you if, like, I think that this is possible, impossible, in the middle, and I would say very, very possible. The next one was Devin Lloyd, and it's impossible. The Eagles are not picking a linebacker in the first round. You know, like, no, I don't understand why this is just lost on so many people in the NFL that the Philadelphia Eagles are simply just not going to pick a linebacker in the first round. They don't get it. They just don't get it. And it blows my mind that we haven't done it in over 40 years. 40 years the Eagles have not picked a deep or a linebacker in the first round. They're not going to do it now. Devontae Wyatt, absolutely. Absolutely the Eagles could pick him. Devin Lloyd, it's just not going to happen. They're not going to pick Devin Lloyd. They're not going to pick N'Kobe Dean. As much as all of us might want them to, they're not. And you know how I know they're more than ever not going to? is because Howie Roseman said at the beginning of this offseason that the Eagles plan and how they build a team, he feels it works. So if he feels it works, I mean, it would have to take something like where all these guys went off the board, right? And if they all went off the board and they couldn't trade down and you know, best player, and they actually just did do best player available? Yes. I'm not saying it's in an, like, there isn't a scenario you could come up with where it happens, but to be fair, it's virtually impossible. That's why Kaiser White's coming in here, and the Eagles signed him this uh, after the show last week. He's from uh, the Chargers. He's a linebacker. He went to Lackawanna College, ironically, which is, you know, in my home city. Um, and Kaiser White's a good player. And remember, they gave TJ Edwards that extension, they have Davion Taylor coming. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not suggesting the Eagles aren't going to draft a linebacker. They're 100% going to draft a linebacker in the fourth round or fifth round or maybe third round even, but they're not going to pick a linebacker in the first round. So he finishes it with Andrew Booth, the corner from Clemson, and that's a very possible uh, pick as well. So, I mean, really, Wyatt and Booth, yes. Lloyd, no. Now, here's a good one. This guy works for ESPN. He was a former general manager, Mike Tannenbaum, right? You would think Mike Tannenbaum would understand team tendencies more so than anybody. Um, and he has the Eagles with their 15th pick uh, selecting Devin Lloyd. And he writes in his little article here, it's been more than a decade since the Eagles picked a linebacker in the first round. It's actually been more than four decades. So it tells you how much research he really did to it. Um, then they picked the, the guard center green, which... I. I Maybe. I Again, I'm not going to say that's an impossibility because you know the Eagles and linemen, so I'm not going to rule that one out. Um, I would be shocked if they pick, you know, uh, other than Linderbaum, I would be really shocked if they picked an offensive lineman in the first round considering, you know, that the strength of their team right now is their offensive line. But again, I will never rule the team out of picking an offense or defensive line in the first round. That's what their policies have been, whether we agree or not. And then finally, he finished it up with a corner, um, what's his name, Trent McDuffie from uh, from Washington, which, again, that's very, very possible as well. Again, it's a corner. 
So I, I, I could totally see that happening. In fact, I, I would believe if the Eagles do have all three of their first-round picks, one of them probably will be a corner. Now, for NFL.com, I believe it was, I saw Cynthia Freeland. Her picks were Devontae Wyatt, Traylon Burks, and we haven't talked about Traylon Burks. Now, Traylon Burks is the wide receiver for Arkansas. And now, this one here you can link a little bit because, you know, Aaron Moore had ran the, uh, what was it, the pro day for Traylon Burks, and he's our wide receivers coach. Um, yeah, I could see the hype on the Traylon Burks here. Is that what I would do? No, I would not. We, we all know, like, I think Jamison Williams is by far the number one guy to get in this draft. I don't care if Jamison Williams is not going to be ready for game one this season. I don't care if he's not ready for the first month. Jamison Williams, to me, has the single most upside of any wide receiver in this draft. Now, am I sitting here and would I cry if the Eagles picked Garrett Wilson? Absolutely not. Garrett Wilson is going to be an unbelievable football player, and he's actually a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles, so that makes me like him more. But Garrett Wilson's incredible. I think Jahan Dotson's... uh, maybe just a little bit below, but still an incredible player. Uh, <clears throat> I think Drake, Drake London, I think Chris Olave is a very good option. Now, here's the thing with Olave. We talked about him last week. He's not maybe the guy who goes across the middle, but Chris Olave hits home runs, and he does it, and he did it for three years at Ohio State at a very high level. I have no problem if they pick Chris Olave. He's different than Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. That's for damn sure, and that's an element this team does need. Um, Traylon Burks would probably be the fifth guy, though. He would probably land in that fifth area. You know, um, I would group Traylon Burks with Pickens, the kid from Georgia. Um, you know, I I like John Mechie. And, and to be fair, I did not like John Mechie one single solitary bit last year when he played with Devontae Smith because I thought he was just not ready to play. But that guy got so improved in one offseason. It was incredible. And I think he would actually be kind of a steal, especially because he's another guy coming off a knee injury, so he might fall. But that's where I maybe group those guys. Uh, but Drake London, by the way, no. I don't want Drake. And I'm a USC fan, and I'm telling everybody, stay away from Drake London. The best case scenario for the Eagles is that Drake London is an early pick. We want Drake London picked very early, just like we want Willis and Pickett and all those guys to go early. It would be fantastic for the Philadelphia Eagles if that happened. And what was her last pick here? Oh, um, her last pick loses credibility as well because she says Devin Lloyd. It just blows my mind. I mean, it's just a second of research here. And this isn't like a hidden fact. It's actually talked about publicly now that the Eagles don't draft linebackers in the first round. Now, Bucky Brooks for NFL.com. His is more so, I would say, of the drafts so far, the most realistic. He had the Eagles taking Chris Olave, the wide receiver from Ohio State, Kyler Gordon, a cornerback from Washington, and Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. Now, I it, McDuffie and Gordon have something in common with a draft pick we had a couple years ago. He was a Washington corner who turned out to be a bust. Do I think that that should sway the Eagles if they really like one of these guys? No, but I would use it as a tiebreaker. I absolutely would. The Washington thing has not worked out for the Eagles in the past. Um, it, it does scare me a little. I'll tell you, I, let me tell you this. You know who's a corner I really like? And he is probably a maybe a late first-round guy, more or less probably going to be a second-round guy, but I really like this guy is Roger McCreary, and I probably talked about him, but I would love to get Roger McCreary from Auburn. And if you can get him in the second round, oh, what a grand slam it would be. But I don't know if the Eagles can just risk going to 51 without getting another corner because we have... 
currently nobody set to start with Darius Slay outside. I mean, it's Zach McPherson, and that is just a shot, shot, shot in the dark. We also don't have another safety also, so I mean, unless they do sign Tyron Matthew here in the next week or so, which would be extremely nice, uh, I would say safety in the second round, which the Eagles have done. You know, Jaquan Jarrett, Nate Allen, ring the bell. Um, obviously, Jarrett didn't work out, and Allen kind of bloomed a little later, especially after he left the Eagles, but I could see, you know, maybe Brisker from Penn State in that spot. You know, like that's kind of what I'm thinking in terms of of a safety potentially at 51. Um, Nick Benito, a defensive end for Oklahoma, I really like him. I would like to see him possibly sliding at 51. So we're going to go over the specifics, but like I, the whole idea that the Eagles can pick Chris Olave, Kyler Gordon, and Tyler Linderbaum for a draft, that makes sense. It, it's very possible. Linderbaum being you know, arguably the best interior lineman in this draft, Jason Kelsey on a one-year deal. He's a center. It makes sense. You may not want to move Landon Dickerson now. You know, you're going to have Isaac Ciamalo. He's probably going to slide over to the right side. You have Jack Driscoll, who could be a guard, center, tackle, combo player. You have Jordan Mailata, obviously Lane Johnson. Linderbaum actually makes a ton of sense. I would not be stunned at all if the Eagles pick him. And then the final one was from Yahoo.com. It was um, Eric Edholm and... His picks were, and this one was interesting because it's the first one who did it. He has Kenny Pickett to the Eagles. And after listening to Jeffrey Lurie, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I am not ruling that one out at all. I am not ruling out for one single second that the Eagles pick Kenny Pickett. That, to me, is very possible that they pick Kenny Pickett. I think they are playing very much a cat-and-mouse type game here with Kenny Pickett and I know the idea is maybe to not let you on that they're going to pick a quarterback or maybe they're doing it at a point where they want you to think so much they're going to take one so the quarterbacks go before them. Either way, it's like a win-win for them. And I think if Kenny Pickett's sitting there at 15, I could absolutely foresee a scenario that the Eagles do pick him because we're going to talk about those in owners' meetings, but they did mention how the passing game has to be the key element to having a great offense. And when you hear that, you know, I, and everybody knows I'm a Jalen Hurts guy, but we know right now Jalen Hurts still has to develop more as a passer. Now, he also had the Eagles taking Jordan Davis. He's that colossal defensive tackle from Georgia, which him and Wyatt, I, I think they're going to get one or the other. And then Traylon Burks uh, at 20, or at 19. So, I mean, that's a realistic mock draft as well. It, it doesn't... It, that interior off uh, defense alignment is a crucial need. Wide receiver two is a crucial need. And if they believe Kenny Pickett could throw the ball, obviously you're getting the quarterback who probably throws the best ball in this draft. So that one to me, I would say is probably second to Bucky Brooks in terms of likelihood. The other three are just canceled out because they have a linebacker in the first round. Now, when I do come back here, we're going to go over to, you know, I'm going to give you guys a quick word here from anchor, but, but when I come back, we're going to go over the owner's meeting. And I have a lot to say about Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman and how absolutely tired I am of the BS that they continue to just feed and feed and feed the fans of the Eagles. But like I said, quick word here from Anchor. Now, the owners' meetings were this week, and the reason the owners' meetings were so interesting is because this was the first time Jeffrey Lurie spoke in about 15 months since Nick Sirianni was hired as the head coach of the Eagles. And maybe he's such a hypocrite. So um, he comes out, and the first thing he does is, you know, he he needs to get in, you know, the good graces here. The Kelly uniform or Kelly green uniforms are back. 
2023. They're not back next year. They're back in 2023. And I don't know if this is an NFL licensing deal because Tampa Bay, I guess their throwback uniforms aren't coming back next year. It's the 2023 season. But yeah, the 2023, we're going to have the Kelly Green alternate uniforms when they should just be the permanent uniforms. You know what I mean? They should be the permanent uniforms because they're the best uniforms. Our uniforms are the ugliest in the NFL. But next year, it's going to be the black uniforms. But this is the twist. They're going to have a black helmet. Yippee. But he leads with that because then the meat and potatoes start coming at him. Because people asked Jeffrey Lurie about his involvement in the NFL draft. It was already documented last season. We went over the stories about Lurie's involvement in the draft process. So what does Jeffrey Lurie do? This, like, it's like you have to be a damn fool to believe what this guy said because he cites, oh, there were three major examples of picks that I was really involved in. One was I wanted Lane Johnson. And you know what, Jeffrey? Good for you. He was a top five pick. He was the fourth pick in the NFL draft. He was the third tackle off the board, which is crazy, but Lane Johnson was an unbelievable pick. Great pick. He also wanted Russell Wilson, and we've talked about that. That's why the Russell Wilson to the Eagles deal here was so prevalent because this was a guy Jeffrey Lurie wanted in the draft. So don't tell me Jeffrey Lurie didn't want him now, by the way. If he was so, you know, he's, he exam, this was his example he gave to tell you if Russell Wilson wasn't somebody the Eagles were considering trying to trade for. It absolutely means they were. But, you know, he was picked, obviously, before the Eagles could select in the third round. And then the final one was Jordan Mailata, seventh-round pick. So he's got a first-rounder, a third-rounder, and a seventh-rounder, two of which are going to be Hall of Fame players, one of which has the potential to be a Hall of Fame player. And to me, that means you should be a Hall of Fame drafter because that guy right there knows how to draft. Whoever had that, those three guys, those were the three he was majorly involved in. Then he should be picking every pick, don't you think? He fails to mention the J.J. Arthega-Whiteside thing. He's trying to play it off that he had really no part in J.J. Arthega-Whiteside when he actually had a major part in it because what happened in this room was it was not he was not a tiebreaker. He actually was the reason the Eagles selected J.J. Arthega-Whiteside because I believe it was like there were seven people in the Eagles draft room. And I believe five of which wanted Paris Campbell because on their draft board at that time, Paris Campbell was rated higher than J.J. Arthega-Whiteside. I think he was a spot above. It was very close, but they still had Campbell ahead. That's what their draft board said. Just like this year when Milton Williams was not rated against that uh, higher than that defensive tackle, I believe that went to New York or Detroit or whatever it was, and Tom Dunahoo got extremely frustrated because they went off the board. Now that one, it looks like it may have worked out, but that's not why you, you make a draft board. These scouts do it all year. That's their job. They make this draft board, so you stick to the draft board. So five people vote for Paris Campbell. There's two people who wanted Arthega Whiteside. I believe those two were Joe Douglas and Howie Roseman. Now, they asked Jeffrey Lurie for his input. And instead of Jeffrey Lurie saying, hey, this is on you guys. That's why you're hired. That's why you do your research. You guys make the selection. As he should have done, he goes, well, if it came, to, if it was my choice, I guess I would pick J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Now, he's not, in no way is he telling them to pick J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. He did not. That's true. He did not do it. But let's just think about it. Who hires and fires people for the Philadelphia Eagles? Jeffrey Larry, right? So let's just say how he goes, okay, he says Jay, we're going to go with Paris Campbell. That's what our board says, and they pick Paris Campbell. And let's just say J.J. Ortega-Whiteside goes on, and he has a better career than Paris Campbell. Or he has a really good start. Or Paris Campbell, like he's had dealt with injuries. It doesn't work out, whatever. Do you, do you think Jeffrey Lurie is looking at the general manager, maybe the assistant general manager, and going, I got this right, but you guys didn't? What am I... Like... That's the minute he gives his input, it has 
nobody else's input matters in the room. He is the owner. He is the say-all, end-all with the Philadelphia Eagles right now. And they're going to go off of his pick. So yeah, when he says he didn't have a part, in the, he had the part in J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Now, to be fair, again, Paris Campbell has dealt with injuries. But by the way, Paris Campbell was from Ohio State, and he's actually still a infinitely better player. He's had infinitely better moments in the NFL than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, even though he's dealt with injuries, I think, every single year of his career. Just it, it just blows your mind. And you know what I mean? It's funny, like, with, with Jeffrey Lurie, right? Um, <laughs> I, I don't... The thing I don't get with him is this. He doesn't admit to anything with Carson Wentz, even though they, you know, he went to North Dakota. They they took him to dinner. You know what I mean? Like, he was a major part in that pick. Doesn't say anything. But Jeffrey Lurie clearly played a part in a lot of the picks the Eagles have made. Jalen Hurts. That's a that he definitely played a part in that. Don't think he didn't. That's what happens here. He he may not think he's playing a part, or he may be trying to convince the media that he's not playing a part. But either way, Jeffrey Lurie is a major part into why the Eagles have missed in draft picks. And the point being here is this: even if he does have an opinion, even if he understands, like I don't know how much film. I'm sure he does watch some film. His job is being the the owner of the Eagles, and and for the most part, Jay. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie is a good owner because he does put money into the team. Like, he, he does not hold anything back from the team. But any involvement he has, like, if he has not watched film, out of, he has no reason to say a damn word about anybody. Let the people you hire do the job you hired them for. That's why they're there. That's why you pay, uh, you pay them. Speaking of Carson Wentz, um... You know what, actually, we'll talk about him in a second. Because I do want to go into one more thing Howie Roseman said. And I thought this was incredible. Um, you know, Sirianni and, and they, by the way, with Derek Barnett, they both talked about how Derek Barnett, and I know people are getting upset about the things they said about Barnett because they kind of are very praiseworthy of Derek Barnett. What do you think they're going to be? Not praiseworthy of him? They drafted him in the first round. He re-signed with the Eagles. They're not going to just sit there and crap all over him. I, maybe they went a little overboard in their praise. Maybe they should have been a little bit more critical because you're trying to make the player improve. But they like Derek Barnett. They're not going to smash Derek Barnett before, while he's on the team. Like Jim Ursay uh, smashed Carson Wentz. So we're going to talk about that. But I, I mean, that that really did not bother me much. What bothered me was the fact that Howie Roseman said this team wasn't going all in. Okay. So you're not going all in this season. Why is that, Howie? Is it because he didn't try to go all in? Because let me ask you this. Didn't this team try to trade for Calvin Ridley? From what I heard, they actually had a trade in place for Calvin Ridley. They were going to get Calvin Ridley. Okay. So you get Calvin Ridley. What if you signed Marcus Williams? Because that wasn't going to stop you from trying to sign Marcus Williams. So let's just say you get Ridley and Williams. You're not all in. Guess what? Spoiler, you're all in at that point, right? You're all in. You're only not all in because Ridley got suspended and Williams signed with the Ravens. And you missed out on Allen Robinson. Like, just be honest. Be like, you know what? Hey, we tried to, you know, we tried to make some moves this offseason. Unfortunately, they didn't go our way. That's it. Be transparent. I mean, you don't have to come out and tell us your playbook. You know what I mean? What, nobody's saying to you, Howie, tell us what you want in the draft. And, and go, like, I understand there's a level of coyness here. But they make it like this is freaking rocket science. And it's not. He could just say, hey, you know, there were some moves we tried to make. Unfortunately, it didn't go our way. 
You know, but we have other options. We're going to be exploring other options. That's what the NFL draft is for. The free agency is still going on as we speak. There are other guys that we could be bringing in. Okay, cool. Even if we know it's 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 hogwash there, which sure it is, it's fluff talk. But I mean, it's better than saying we're not trying to go all in when you legitimately tried to go all in, but your chips were just given back to you. He said that that's that's the reason he's such a freaking he's such a snake, and that's why people don't like Howie Roseman because he's a snake. He has to pretend he's the smartest guy in the room always, like he thinks he's he's you know one step ahead of everybody when he's actually five steps behind. That's the truth. Now. In terms of the Carson Wentz thing, what Jim Irsay said. Now, here's one thing I think everybody knows. I am not one single bit of a fan of Carson Wentz. I think he absolutely sucks. But um, what Jim Irsay said, what was it? It's just for us. It was just, it was something that we had to move away from as a franchise. It was very obvious. And then in terms of getting Matt Ryan, extremely grateful to the football god, so to speak, regarding where we were compared to where we are like bro relax I get it you don't like Carson Wentz but I mean (laughs) okay he's not the leader he's not an accountable player you know what I mean you know but who cares you traded him it's over let him go like you know what I mean you don't have to you know bash him in the head with a chair on his way out and and that's what it was and it's like it's crazy to me it's like I, I like I said I'm not a big fan of Carson Wentz at all I think he's an absolutely shitty teammate the story that came out about him supposedly rooting against the Eagles when we were making our Super Bowl run, I would not have glowing things, but as an owner, you know what I would do? I just wouldn't say anything. He would be not somebody I talked about. Because what you're doing when you do that, Jim, is you're scaring the potential for other players to come there because they know, hey, this owner can get really cavalier with his mouth and try to talk smack on me and try to blame me for things that happen on this team. Listen, the Eagles stunk in 2020 because Carson Wentz absolutely sucked. He was the number one reason why Doug Peterson got fired. He was the number one reason why the Eagles were an abomination in that season. But it does Jeffrey Lurie no favors if he comes out and goes, well, you guys know Carson Wentz absolutely sucked, right? That's why they never did that, and they never would, because they'd be fools to do it. And I know people got all frustrated this week because there was this picture in the Eagles quarterback room or something, and it had McNabb, Vic, you know, Foles, obviously, um, Cunningham, all these great guys from the Eagles past Jaworski, and there was no Wentz. And I'm like, of course there wasn't. First of all, he cried his way out of here, number one. Two, he was supposedly talking shit on this team that won the Super Bowl. He was all upset that he wasn't a part of it. Um, good riddance. I- I'm so glad he's not on this team. It's the greatest thing that ever happened in the franchise. I-, I mean, we don't have to parade him, but I mean, okay, I'm also cool with the fact that we don't have to put up there that Carson Wentz and, and get it out there in the media that he sucks. Yeah, it just It's just so stupid. Now, like I said, and the Eagles signed Kaiser or Kaiser White this week. It's a big move for the linebacker spot. I think so. He's going to start, obviously, and it'll be it's a, hey, it's like our fifth straight year of signing one of these one-year linebackers. This one, I think, so far is the best of the bunch that we signed to these one-year deals. Um, White's a really good football player, and he's a tackle machine. He's a safety turn linebacker, so he's what the Eagles like. He's got speed. He could cover um, him and Davion Taylor and T.J. Edwards. That's a good three for your linebackers. They're going to draft somebody, but it won't be until, like like I said, the third, fourth round, and that'll be your four key linebackers because, you know, obviously they let my boy Alex Singleton go because, I mean, he only made tackles. Finally, they did change the overtime rules. It was the Eagles' amendment, and they also trade a, a, a 
amended what the Eagles wanted with Howie Roseman was like saying you can't hire assistant GMs from a team because until after the NFL draft because you know their draft secrets get out, which is fair. And they did amend that. I guess you can't do it until after June 30th now, which is way down the line. I don't know why they didn't just do it after the NFL draft concludes, but um, that was interesting. But the other rule they amended was the overtime rule, and it's only for the playoffs that each team will get a possession of the football. I don't like it. I don't like it. I am not one of those. Listen, I'm. I'm not necessarily against the fact that everybody, uh, each team should get the ball. But here's the thing: if the first team gets the ball and they score a touchdown, right? Let's just say they go right down the field and they score. Well, the other team's playing with four downs. What I would like to see it done is this: um, if you get the ball, maybe you have the opportunity to go for it twice on fourth down, or you have to kick. The ball, you know what I mean, like, or I, 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 something weird like that. Because, or, or you know what I mean. Let's just say the first team scores and they score no for, then you have the same amount of fourth downs that you can go for, or you get one or two, like as a as a number. But they have to do something like that because I just think it's not fair. Because if you do score on that first drive, that second team has such an advantage to tie the game back. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. You scored. They still have to score, but. They are in a crazy advantageous spot because they're going to be playing with an extra down for an entire series. And then what if they score and they go for two and win? You know what I mean? Like, and it's because they got four fourth downs. Like, remember years ago when we played the Titans, and this was the Corey Graham game, where we kicked the field goal and then the Titans got the fourth and fifteen on the picket fence defense. They got like two more fourth downs also on that drive. So it's like because they were able to go for it, they would have never went for that fourth and fifteen on the forty yard line. They never, ever would have did it if they got the ball first. And we would have won the game with a field goal. But because we got the ball first, kicked the field goal, they got the ball, and they were able to go for all these fourth downs, and they ended up beating the Eagles. That's why I don't like it. Like I said, if you, you want to do it in a way where, okay, you can only go for it on fourth down twice your whole drive, then that's cool with me too. That's fine. But it should I would have liked it if they did it where there were some boundaries for that second team and when they get the ball. But... <clears throat> Excuse me there. Well, that's pretty much it for this week. Um, it was a lot of stuff to talk about, which was cool. I do like the idea of the mock drafts. And I want to get it's it's draft season now. Like we are fully into the NFL draft. The Tyron Matthew thing is still out there, so hopefully that does happen. Um, fingers crossed, the Eagles do sign him because we desperately need him. But um, we're kind of full bore into this NFL draft. And right now, if you asked me with the three picks, like I said. I want the Eagles to use two, and I'd be very cool with the Eagles trading down one of them. Like, I would love nothing more than to get an additional second-round pick. You know what I Like, for instance, let's just say the Jets. They picked, I think, 35 and 38 or something like that, or 37, something weird. Let's just say the 20th pick comes, and the Jets want to trade up. Now, do I think they're going to want to trade up? No, because they have their quarterback, and it would have to take something extraordinary uh like somebody available that they would really need or something like that. But let's just say they call and they want to make a trade and they'll give you those two picks and we have to give you, you know, our 20th pick and maybe a fourth rounder or something. I'd be cool with that because I think there's quality guys like this is a depth draft. And once you get to 20 and down, I think the guys you get at 35 and 37, if you hit like, you know what I mean? If you're smart, there's not a big difference and I would rather get three for two in a way because you're adding an extra player at that scenario. So that would be something that would really intrigue me is if the Eagles do have to trade down 
that they can go from 20 down and hopefully acquire assets. But I'm not looking to acquire assets into next draft. I know everybody thinks that's the best idea. No, I want to acquire assets for this draft because we need players next season, not the season after. I don't need the hedge for the quarterback thing anymore. I'm so tired of hearing that, the hedge for the quarterback. Listen, if the Eagles, if, if Jalen Hurts isn't good enough, right? If he's not good enough next season, we're not winning the Super Bowl, right? We're not competing for the Super Bowl. So that pick of ours isn't going to be 23 or later. It's going to be, what, at, at the worst 20 and, and lower. So guess what? When you're in that spot, if you really need to go get a quarterback, the Eagles will have an opportunity to go up and get a quarterback. If it costs them a first rounder the following year, their first rounder, something else, they will be able to maneuver up. They maneuvered from 13 to 2 to pick Carson Wentz, and they did not have three first-round picks in that draft to do so. So don't tell me that the Eagles can't figure out a way to get to the top of the draft to pick a quarterback and that they need to require assets next year to do it to hedge their bet. Don't. You're trying to figure out if Hurts is the guy. Well, give the guy some damn options this season. Get him some players so we can figure it out for sure. So we can have no doubts. That's the answer. But we're going to talk a ton more about this draft it's exciting because, like I said, when you have three draft picks, um, you know, the opportunity to get good fast is there. Now, do I think the Eagles are going to hit a home run in all these picks? Of course not. It's impossible. Like, I, 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 very rarely teams that have had three picks in the first round, I know, like, it's happened a couple times before. The results aren't always as what you think. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's that's why the conversation might become if you want to trade two picks and go up and get, like, Sauce Gardner, if that's possible. And if you're positive he's going to be a really good player, then you do it. Because even if you have the three first-round picks, generally, look at our look at our history. Rager, you know, Dillard, Danny Watkins, you know, Nelson. Like, all these guys that the Eagles have picked that just didn't turn out. That's probably going to happen with one of these three. I mean, hey, they could hit a home run with all three as well. And guess what? Then you're really good really fast. So, I mean, you can't go into the draft with the idea that, hey, you know what, guys? We're just going to miss on one of these, so we got to be prepared. That's not going to help them either. Tons more to talk about with the draft. We'll do another couple mocks next week. Hopefully we get some news. Like I said, hopefully Tyron Matthews signs with the Eagles and we can start at least celebrating the fact that our defense might be getting a little better. Um, but we'll keep going over them. I mean, it's interesting. At least it's not. It's no longer the boring offseason. Now it's we're starting to get into what this team is going to potentially be next season. They have an advantageous schedule, by the way. I think they have the third easiest schedule, according to Warren Sharp's um, analytical thing that came out today in terms of studying the schedules for next season. Um, last year with this model, and they did it before the NFL draft, uh, I guess the six of the seven team, top seven teams that he said would have the easiest schedule ended up having the easiest schedule, and the one that didn't was 10th. It was the Bengals. So he has the Eagles at third. So chances are, from what that model shows, the Eagles are going to have a very light schedule next year, and they're going to have an opportunity to win some football games. We got away with a very easy schedule this year, especially in the back end. The hard end was, or the hard part was the beginning. So we could make some hay again. The Eagles could absolutely get back to the playoffs, especially because the division got weaker. And if we can get stronger, come on, we can win 10, 11 games. Now you're cooking. And again, 10, 11, 12, it's all dependent on Jalen Hurts, right? And he has to improve. And as Sirianni said at the owners' meetings, he's with a throwing coach now. He's working on his throwing. The guy's a hard worker, so that surprises me none. So I'm excited. I want everybody out there, stay safe, stay healthy, stay educated. And as always, go Eagles go.